0: If you have your Bibles and you can stand with me, turn to the book of Colossians, chapter 3. I've been here several weeks now. We're looking, our topic is how to develop a heavenly mindset. Developing a heavenly mindset. Colossians 3, the first four verses. If you're there, say amen. All right, let's go. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, Then shall we also appear with him in glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your precious word. And I pray, Lord, that we'll allow you to speak to our hearts today. Lord, we need your help if we're ever going to develop a heavenly mindset. Challenge us today. And Lord, if there's anyone within the sound of my voice listening online who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, I pray today would be that day. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. You can be seated. What a tremendous passage. But I guess if I confess, I could say that about any part of God's Word. It is His Word. And Paul begins chapter 3, verse 1. He says, if you then be risen with Christ. If you've been here for the last several weeks. It literally says you are. There's no question about it. You have been risen with Christ. Now, I want to, I say it all the time, I'm going to say it again. If you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you are born again, live like it. Amen. Your life ought to be ordered by the precepts and principles of the Word of God. And the, the Bible says, Paul says, since we are risen with Christ, we are to seek those things which are above. And by the way, we'll speak more to that in detail later on, but that requires, if you will, a purpose. It ought to be the purpose of our life to seek those things that are above. But Paul, Paul also says, I've been in Mark, been in Peter last week, <laughs> we're reading from Paul today. But nonetheless, Paul reminds us our heart, our minds and our hearts ought to be set on things above, not on this earth. How many know that's easy to read, not so easy to do? Isn't that true? Because Satan wants our heart focused on the things of this world. But then he tells us why. Because we are dead, and our life is hid with Christ in God. Thank the Lord for that. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Praise the Lord today, okay? But also notice the promise. When Christ, who is our life, verse four, shall appear, then shall you, ye appear also with him in glory. <laughs> I agree with Apostle John. There are a lot of things I don't know, but one thing I do know when I see him, I'll be just like him. I will be just like him. Because of what Christ did, because that cross in the middle, Rick, should have been mine, but it wasn't, it was his on my behalf. When he appears in glory, I will be just like him. So that being the basics, I think it's important to understand as Christians, we ought to conduct our lives in such a way, we are moving closer and closer to a heavenly mindset. Closer and closer to being like God. And we must never forget that we have an eternal citizenship in heaven all because of what christ has done for us a couple of weeks ago we we shared the a principle from the word of god there are certainly two kingdoms the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of this world and thank god thank god in his mercy he has translated us from this kingdom on this earth to the kingdom of heaven i'm now a citizen of the kingdom of heaven only by god's grace Only by his mercy can we take part in that kingdom and become members of the household of God. I'm glad I'm there. How about you? All by the grace of God. Paul said to the church at Philippi, chapter 3 of Philippians, verse 20, But our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because our citizenship is in heaven, we need to seek heaven with everything we have. Now let me remind you folks, you cannot earn your salvation. You cannot. But I want to say this again. If Christ is your Savior, heaven's on your mind. Heaven is on your mind. Our lives... As children of God ought to be so different from the rest of the world, there is no doubt we're on the way to heaven. There is no doubt that Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior. So we've been looking the last couple of weeks at how can we develop, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> this heavenly mindset. Well, first of all, it begins in your mind, verse 2 again. Paul says, Set your affection on things above not on things on the earth. And remember, our mind is very, very important. Because the mind tells us about who we are. If we're a believer, or we're, we're an unbeliever, if we're walking with God, or we're not walking with God. And if anyone, a person, anyone who was led by the sinful nature, or... Uh, is led by the Spirit of God, our mind lets us know that. It will also tell us the fruits that will be produced in our lives. <clears throat> now we shared a few things last, but we're just going to touch on them again. If we're going to develop a heavenly mindset, we have to focus on who we are in Christ. Now think about that. We have to focus on our resurrected Position. I want to remind you today, folks, if you're a child of God, you are a child of the King. Amen. You're part of His family. You have been adopted into the family of God all by the by grace through faith in Christ. And the Bible talks about our position in Christ. First of all, Paul told the church at Ephesus, we've been made alive, we were dead in our sins. We've also been raised... We just read it in Colossians 3, verse 1. (coughs) But Paul also told the church at Ephesus, we've been seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So what does that mean? I know there are good Bible verses there, and we love what they say. But really, in a practical sense, what does that mean for me? And folks, if you don't get anything else, they get this. In Christ... We have been given the power to live as Christians now. Right now in this world. Right now today. And in Christ, because of who we are, because of our position, I no longer have to live in conformity to this world. I got a brand new position. And now, because of the power of Christ in me, because of my position in Christ, I can live in obedience to God. And my friend, that's my heart's desire—to live in obedience to God. And and here's what I love about it. And I, and I realize I, I I like to talk about heaven. Love to preach about heaven. Love to think about heaven. But I want you to know my 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 life with God began over forty years ago when I got saved. Amen. And and I want you to realize, we can claim our royal status right now. Not just then, but right now, for we are children of the King. Amen. Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And that's why it's so important for you and I to remember our position in Christ. How many know they crucified him? Rick, you sang about that a while ago. We'll be focusing on that in a few weeks. Coming up a little short. Shortly. And it's kind of interesting. How many know he died? How many know they buried him? How many know he didn't stay there? 2,000 years ago, a dead man got up and walked. (laughs) Now think about this. The Bible teaches me and you as Christians, our position, our position in Christ is the fact is this very same power, now hear me, that was at work raising Christ from the dead, can we call that resurrection power, is now at work in our lives. Amen. And i got to tell you, I'm so thankful for that because without that resurrection power at work in my life, there's no way I can live a Christian life. I simply can't do it. And because that same power that raised Christ from the dead, because it's at work in my life, it now gives me the power, the ability to live a life that pleases God. And I'm so glad he gives me that power. But also that same power enables me to have a heavenly mindset. Uh, well, what I, I don't want to jump ahead. We'll, we'll get back in just a moment here, okay? And so that's why it's so important, church, as Christians, as individual Christians, we see our authority... And our position in Christ. We are rulers with Christ over all things. Not then, just then, but even now. We are heirs and heirs with Jesus Christ. What's His is ours. And that is why we set our affections, that's why we set our heart and our minds on things above, because that's where Christ is seated, on the right hand of the Father. One of the toughest things to control is our minds. Isn't that true? The way we think. Satan wants to control that. But our our minds, our mindset, our thinking ought to reflect and put our hearts on Christ. If we're going to have a heavenly mindset it is vital we understand our authority and our position in Christ. Now, by the way, I want to warn you today I'm going everybody, if you mess with one of God's people, you mess with God. He's our Father. He's a jealous God. And we have been raised with Christ. And not only have we been raised, Paul says, we've been seated. We've been raised with Christ, the very one who has been seated at the right hand of God. And because of that, everything that belongs to Christ now belongs to us through faith. So when the Bible speaks and tells us that we are seated with Christ, now let me remind you something very important. It's important to know what the Bible says. Now don't take this wrong, but I don't care how you feel. Now in a sense I do, I don't want you to be sad, I don't, I don't want that to happen. But I want you to know what the Bible says. Whenever you're discouraged, you don't want to give up, remember what the Bible says. Whenever you think you're all alone and nobody cares, remember what the Bible says. Amen? And so, what does the Bible say? We've been raised. We've been seated with Christ. And so that tells me of my unity I have with Christ. It reminds me of the authority that comes with it. And knowing those things, that reality, ought to affect how we live even in this wicked world. Huh. Seeking those things which were above. Look what Jesus said to the disciples. Matthew 28, verses 18 and 19. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, teach all, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of uh, the Holy Ghost. Anybody ever heard that verse before? <laughs> uh, in theological, theological realm, just known as the Great Commission. And you look at this, okay? He's speaking, of course, initially to the disciples, but also, also to us. And he reminds us that he has all power. All power in heaven, all power on earth has been given to Christ. And who are we seated with? We're seated with Christ. And I think about what Jesus commanded. <clears throat> to go and teach all nations, to baptize them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And i, I got to tell you this morning, folks, from a human standpoint, that would be impossible. An impossible task. We have to remember in that Great Commission, Jesus gives us the promise that His authority goes with us. If you know the scriptures, at least a little bit about the scriptures, you know in, in the book of Acts, there in chapter 1, Jesus met with his disciples the last time and, and, uh, <laughs> they were worried, or I asked him a question, "When are you, are you going to set your kingdom up now? And this kind of paraphrase, he said, that's not your business. But what I want you to do, I want you to go and wait in Jerusalem until the power of the Holy Ghost comes over you. And once it does, you won't worry about when I'm coming to set my kingdom up, you'll go out and you'll preach the gospel. I will give you the power of, to witness for me, to tell a lost world how to come to know God. And so, understand, church, as a child of God, He has given us His authority to go and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, by the way, I, I think Jeremy pointed out some a couple of years ago one of his messages about this verse the implication here is, as you go, teach. Doesn't mean you gather a group of people on Sunday morning and preach. That's part of it. But as you go in this life, you're sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. Now then, now then, I like word now. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did, did beseech you by us, we pray you, in Christ's stead, be ye Reconciled to God. How many know what an ambassador is? By the way, this is where our former pastor got our name for our church from this verse. But ambassadors are simply representatives, official representatives, of one country to another. My country is heaven. And God's left me here to represent him in this lost world. And so an ambassador carries a message with authority of the person he represents. Now think about it. Who do we represent? Jesus Christ. And we carry his authority with us. That's why we should be ambassadors reconciling the world to Jesus Christ. And you have to love what Paul is saying here. He's not only saying he has a message But along with that message, Paul says, I've got the authority of Christ with me. I have the authority of Christ when I say it. And so I want to say this morning to us, all of us here, that we've all been, if you're like me, there have been times I have sort of been shrinking back from sharing the gospel. There are times we are timid uh, in sharing the gospel. But I want to say to you this morning, when those times happen... Whenever we are we kind of back down from sharing our faith, we have to remember our position in Christ. We have to remember our authority in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I don't know when it happened to me, but it finally I, one day it dawned on me, there's not a person in this world I can save, but Jesus can. Jesus can save them. So as we serve the Lord, no matter what we're doing, it has to be done in the authority of Christ. Now remember, we have been seated in heavenly places with Him. We have His authority, we have His power. And that's why we have to remember that authority and that power is not in ourselves. That authority is come from the one whom we represent, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. So here we are. Now, how many know if God wanted to the day we got saved, he could have took us to heaven? But he didn't. He's left us here, and now we are ambassadors in this lost world, and we're walking in the authority and the power of a resurrected Savior. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that. If we're going to have the right mindset. If we're going to develop a heavenly mindset. We must be focused on our resurrected position in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only thing that makes us different from the rest of this world. Is the position we have in the heavenly realms. And folks we need to live like we do. Thank God for that. So first of all, if we're going to develop a heavenly mindset, we have to focus on our resurrected position. I am a child of the King. Amen. Second of all, if we're going to develop a heavenly mindset, and here's a tough one, it will require a life of continual discipline. Don't you hate that word? Huh? I mean, two horrible words: discipline and diet. Huh? Come on. I mean, I'm not really hungry till I say I'm going to go on a diet. Amen. I, I I've shared it before with my grandfather. He uh, he only lived he was 92, and uh, I remember growing up having uh, we called it a supper uh, with Grandma and Grandpa, and she fried everything and baked in bacon grease. Amen. Huh? And uh, in pork chops, you know, they'd be all greasy and he'd eat them and it'd be greased from both sides of his. He didn't worry, but took that bread he wiped it off, dolled it in a plate, eat the bread with the grease on it. And he lived live <laughs> till 92. And I don't know, shortly before he died, uh, he, you know, went to the doctor for a checkup. And my grandfather, if you knew him, you know, oof, he can be kind of crusty, he said, Doc, before we get started, two things I want you to know. I'm planning on dying rested and full. (laughs) So we don't like that word discipline. We simply don't like it. Look at verse 1 of Colossians 3 again. Paul says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Easy to read. And Paul says, Seek those things which are above. But how many know That will never happen by accident. Isn't that true? We have to discipline ourselves to do that. Because it will not happen by accident. So I I look at a verse like that and I have to conclude this. If I don't actively seek those things above, I will never be thinking with a heavenly mindset. I have got to be active in my pursuit. I've got to discipline myself to do that. Romans 12, verse 2. You know the verse. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and accessible and perfect will of God. How many times... Do you realize that most of the time, if not all the time, when the Bible tells us not to do something, it's probably because we're already doing it. Right? And, And Paul is writing, of course, here in this particular place, to the church at Rome, but it's also for us. And he's writing to a group of people who are now born again. But he realizes they had spent a lifetime being shaped and formed into the mold of this world. You know what Paul says? Stop it. Stop it. Stop being conformed into the mold of this world. And by the way, when's a good time to stop it? Now. And the same is true for us. And again, we discussed a few weeks ago about the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of heaven. But the kingdom of this world where Satan rules and until we got saved we were being shaped and conformed by Satan, by his principles and the principles of this world in that mindset. And Paul says we have to stop being conformed into the ways of this world. So what are some of the ways? How do we know uh, how do we recognize things in our lives that might be indication we're being conformed by this world instead of by God? Well, first of all, our mindset says, I have the right to have everything I want. Is that America today? Huh? Romans 8, 5. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the Spirit. How many know there's a difference? Okay? The second thing that comes to our mind, if we're going by worldly standards, we have the right to pursue and to use power. How many know the disciples struggle with that? They, they wanted to be next in line when they sat down at the heaven's table with Christ. But Jesus told in Mark 10, But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister or your servant. So we think the world says to us, we have a right to abuse people. Doesn't matter how you get to the top of the ladder, just get there, right? Doesn't matter who you abuse or hurt on the way up, Whatever. But Jesus said in Luke eleven forty three, 43, Woe unto you Pharisees! For you love the upper, uppermost seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the marketplaces. The world says to me, Well, you have a right to accumulate wealth. And all you need is your selfish reasons. Jesus said, well, What does a profit a man if you'll gain the whole world and lose his own soul, what should a man give in exchange for his soul? My dad called me a few weeks ago. And my dad is not certainly not a multimillionaire, but he's well off. And he got a problem. He says, I don't know what to do with my money. I said, let me give you my bank account number. He wouldn't do that. And without a doubt, my dad has reached a plateau financially where he never thought he'd be. And yet, his soul is empty. You know why? Because Christ is not Lord of his life. And I want to say today, the world says, get all you can. And when you get it, can all you get. Just rake it in. But Jesus said, what are you going to gain? If you were able to gain every penny in the world, own every piece of real estate in the world, if you had it all, if you lost your soul, what are you going to gain? How many you know that's a rhetorical question? You don't gain anything, you've lost everything. <laughs> the world also says Use your personal abilities, your wisdom to advance yourself. Don't use it to serve others. First Corinthians three nineteen. For the wisdom of this world is foolish with God, foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. Now, by the way, if you think you can smart God, you're kidding yourself. Amen. The world says, you have the right to ignore God. Hate him if you want to. And I guess you do. James 4.4. 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. Know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. What am I saying? I think the Bible is clear. The world will control how you think if you let it. The world will control how you dress if you allow it. The world will teach you what job you ought to seek, the type of school you ought to attend. But Jesus says that we cannot serve two masters, we cannot serve God and our money. He said, it's impossible. You'll either hate one and love the other. You certainly won't love them equally. And here's what breaks my heart. There are too many Christians today, especially in America, who have the world as their master. They're not seeking heavenly things. They don't have a biblical viewpoint. Their minds are still consumed with things of this world. And because they have the world as their master, the world tells them what to do. The world tells them where to go and even how to do it. Child of God, please understand something. We are no longer a part of this world. Yes, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. Because if we're of the world, we're in it with God, we're not there. we are not of the world. And because we're not of this world, we must actively be seeking to think the way that God has called us to think, we must seek those things which are above. Those things which are above. So how do we do that? How, how do we develop this kind of discipline? I'm glad you asked. I know you couldn't wait. Number one, if you are developing that kind of mindset, you will actively seek heavenly things by impressing the word of God on your heart. It is true scripture. Scripture. It is through the very Word of God that we learn about God. We learn about heaven. We learn how to think on things that are good, things that are noble, things that are of good report and righteous. And we begin to think more like God as we get into His Word. So how do we impress those Scriptures on our hearts Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 6 through 9 God says these words which I command thee this day shall beware in your hearts and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house, and on thy gates. Amen. Now, by the way, if you... I've been here very long, you attend Sunday school. Our Sunday school is called the D6 Sunday school. And by the way, it's not original, it came right from these verses. A D6 approach to the Word of God. Go back to verse 6, Deuteronomy 6. How do you move the Word? Now, by the way, anybody got a Bible? Show me your Bible today, come on, hold it up. Okay, amen. Amen. God's Word. All right. Thank God for that. Now, I I rarely read this Bible while I I preach out of this one, okay? I've got a program on my computer. I use it almost every day. In fact, I do use it every day. Uh, There's not a day goes by uh, that I don't read the Word of God, at least least parts of it. But nonetheless, uh, how do we take from the page off of the computer screen, to our hearts? And these words, what I command you this day, shall be in thine heart. I'm not sure, this was the first verse I memorized, but it was one of the first, in Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. How many of you know that's good advice? Amen. Okay, now hold on. I hadn't been saved very long, and uh, I came across a program a Christian program on the radio they're no longer on. And uh, I don't remember exactly the context, but they were encouraging Bible memorization. And uh, they published, a, I'll never forget, I had at least one or two copies of it, a little booklet about this big, about that one, fit right in your pocket. And in that booklet, there was about 15 or 20 uh, Bible verses to memorize. And I memorized every one of them. I was so proud of myself. Amen. They know what God wants me to be. No, you know it's not. Okay. In fact, and there were at least fifteen to twenty. It's been too long ago now, and uh, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, Jason was old enough to not old to read yet, but he memorized them all too. Now I had to help him, of course. And I asked him the other day. I said, "How many do you remember to none? And I remember a few of them, okay? But how many know when David speaks about hiding God's word in his heart, it's more than memorizing? Now, make no make mistake about it. Memorizing is very important. Can I throw a little caveat in here this morning? Uh, that's one reason I stick with one version of the Bible. It's hard to memorize. If you've got six different versions that people are reading from. Take it as you want to, okay? But even those who are scholars will tell you because of the different translations we have. I'm not saying anything wrong with them, but because very few people use the same translation anymore, uh, Bible, Bible memorization almost a thing of the past. So I'm not saying don't memorize. It's important. But here's what I found out. And I think it was 15 or 20 Bible verses I could memorize. And again, being the humble, proud Christian that I was, I want everybody to know I knew these verses. I mean, no matter what we talked about, I threw a verse in there. Amen? I want you to know, I know that verse. Then it dawned on me, one day, that's not what God wants. He didn't just want me to recite a verse. He wants me to internalize that verse. He wants me to make it a part of my life. How many know Satan can quote, can quote scriptures? Sure he can. But he doesn't internalize it. And that's what God wants. We're going to take this word from the page, and not just in our mind, but we're going to assimilate it into our lives. And, 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 I, and, I, and again, God's helped me with that, with my uh, prideful attitude. And I told somebody, uh, I, I called Brother Gary Beacon the other day, and I said, Brother Gary, I'm going to write me a book. He's writing a book. I said, I'm going to write me one. He said, oh yeah? I said, yeah, uh, about the ten most humble people in the world, and how I chose the other nine. You'll get it later, okay? Anyway, God's helped me overcome, for the most part, my spirit of pride. When I first began to read my Bible through every year, and I've lost track of that when it began, my goal was to finish reading the Bible through the year and say, look at me, God. I've read your Bible. I had a Bible plan. on my, I still have it on my computer. I still use it. And at the end of the year, You could print you a certificate. Guess what I did? I printed me a certificate. I read the Bible through in a year. But thank God I've long given up on that certificate thing. And though I do read it through every year, about every nine months, my purpose is not just to read through it, but that God's Word will come through me. That God's Word will be more than words on a page more than words i've tried to memorize but words that have changed and challenged my life and god knows my heart there's not a time not a day not a morning that i don't go to his word as i'm reading i'm praying god speak to my heart to this word change me and mold me so how do we do that how do we take it from the from the pages of scripture And put it into our hearts, into our lives. Well, one thing is, we've got to be a teacher. I don't mean you've got to teach a cynical class. But church, let me give you some important information. It is not the church's job to teach your children. It is yours. The first thing that God said through Moses, teach your children. Teach my word to your children. And you know, you know why that is? So when the time comes, they will teach their children. And the process will go on and on and on. And if we are going to have our minds set on heavenly things, if we're going to be thinking on heavenly things, we've got to teach the Word of God. And, and I, I don't for a minute believe that God is speaking about a formal thing. He's talking about in everyday life. How you live it out. how How you gain a... Biblical perspective. And and, and by the way. Wherever you are. You're sharing. You're teaching. You're explaining. You're exegeting the word of God. By how you live your life. And then God says. Talk about it everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. Now that doesn't mean. That all we ever have is theological discussions. But it does mean that everything we experience, we view through the lens of God's Word. If You see a movie, you view it through the lens of God's Word. <coughs> you read a book, you view it through the lens of God's Word. If you ask a simple question, ask it through the principles of God's Word. Now, by the way, you'll be, you'll be surprised. Maybe not. Whenever we begin to look at things biblically, people will call you narrow-minded. You know that. That's okay. Call me narrow-minded because I am. My God is exclusive. There's only one way. And that's Jesus Christ, my Lord. But the Bible said we also ought to have reminders to help us memorize God's word, to remember God's word. Now He said to you know, binds on your forehead, on your wrist. Uh, in the New Testament times, Jesus refers to those as if I got the word right. Phylacteries—they were some kind of a pouch. They would write God's word in, and they would bind it on their wrists or on their foreheads. And Jesus said, "You've made those phylacteries broad. You made them big. But you know what? The question was, didn't do you a bit of good? Didn't do you a bit of good? Now that is not to say it's wrong to have a, a, a maybe a, a some kind of a flashcard to memorize. There's nothing wrong with that." But here's the thing. When I first decided to read God's Word through, I had to set a time uh, every day to do that. And now, every morning I know, one of the first things I'm going to do after I get all put together, and sometimes it takes a while to put me together, (laughs) uh, is go to God's Word. I've got a place. I've got a time. I think it was uh, Woodrow Crowe said he got a book and he got a nook. And we have to have that, a place we go to spend time with God. Now, by the way, uh, Jason's not in here this morning, but he does it quite often. Uh, every once in a while, he'll put on the on the uh, PowerPoint, I think it's 1 in 168. Anybody know what that represents? How much church most people get all week, one out of 168 hours. I want to tell you something, folks, and this is a good time to put it in. When we have church, you need to be here. Sunday night, Sunday morning, Sunday school, Wednesday night, Bible study, doesn't matter. You need to be here. Because I don't care who you are, you never get enough of God's Word. And so not only do I have my daily reading time with God, my daily prayer time and meditation, I know that on certain nights of the week, I'm going to be at church. I'll be studying God's Word. I'll be fellowship with God's people. I'll be taking the Word of God from the page and assembling it in my life. And those times are reminders that I need the Word of God. That includes a daily meditation, small groups. Could be accountability meetings. I know that every morning I'm going to encounter the Word of God. On Wednesday, I'm going to encounter the Word of God. On the first uh, Monday or second Monday of the month, I at Master, an account of the Word of God, the he the account of the Word of God, all those things. And God said to the Jews, put on your heads and your hands, it'll remind you, spend time in the Word of God and allow that Word of God to flood your life. I see what time it is. Let's stand. I don't know where you are and you walk with God this morning. But the truth of the matter is, most Christians spend very little time reading the Word. And I will tell you right now, if you don't discipline yourself, and again, we don't like that Word, we will never internalize the Word of God. We will never develop a heavenly mindset. But also, this almost goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway, you will never develop a heavenly mindset if you've never been born again. And Jesus Christ is the only way. Father, we thank you today for your precious word. Speak to our hearts, and we'll give you the praise because we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Rick, whenever you're ready to sing a verse of invitation this morning, i never like to close like.